Greetings, this is Christopher Radio Fire Radio. This is a special presentation of Vladimir Putin's March 21st speech. This is part three. Included through economic isolation and blockade is a conscious, long-term strategy. Western leaders themselves are no longer hiding the fact that sanctions are not aimed at individuals or companies. Their goal is to hit our entire domestic economy our social and humanitarian sphere, every family, every citizen of Russia. In fact, such steps aimed at worsening the lives of millions of people have all the hallmarks of aggression, a war by economic, political, and informational means. It is total and unconcealed. And I repeat, the so-called Western political elite are not even shy about speaking about it in plain words. All the verbal tinsel about political correctness, inviability of private property, freedom of speech, all of this disappeared overnight. Even the Olympic principles were trampled. They were not shy about settling scores with the Paralympians either. That's how sports outside politics is. In many Western countries, people just for the fact that they came from Russia are being persecuted today. They refuse medical care, expel children from schools, put their parents out of work, ban Russian music, culture, and literature, and attempting to abolish Russia. The West stripped itself of all masks of decency, began to act in a boorish manner, and demonstrated its true nature. Direct analogies are just begging to be drawn with the anti-Semitic pogroms carried out by the Nazis in Germany in the 1930s and later by their henchmen from many European countries who joined Hitler's aggression against our country during the Great Patriotic War. Against Russia deployed a massive attack in cyberspace. The unprecedented information campaign in which the global social networks and all Western mass media, which objectivity and independence have appeared, simply a myth is unleashed. And what he's talking about is what I, what I said earlier. You try to look up information on Russia, you're not going to find it. It's been blocked. It's been banned. You're going to get these, these 504 errors, unable to find. If we as Americans are free and our information is free and we have the freedom of speech, why can't we look up information on Russia? Why are our why is our American government withholding this information from us? Continuing on, access to information is restricted. People are flooded with a huge number of fakes, propaganda fakes, in other words, fakes. It has gone so far that one of the American social networks has directly stated that publications calling for the murder of Russian citizens are possible. We understand what what resources this empire of lies has, but it is still powerless against truth and justice. Russia will consistently make its position known to the world. Our position is honest and open, and more and more people hear it, understand it, and share it. I want to say very frankly that there are hostile geopolitical goals behind the hypocritical talks and current actions of the so-called collective West. 
They do not need, simply do not need a strong, sovereign Russia. They will never forgive us for our independent course or for defending our national interests. We remember how they supported separatism, terrorism, encouraging terrorists and bandits in the North Caucasus, as they did in the 1990s and early 2000s. They want to repeat their attempt to finish us off, to crush us, to drive us behind Lozai, as they say to turn us into a national enemy. We remember how they supported separatism, terrorism, encouraging terrorists and bandits in the North Caucasus, as they did in the 1990s and early 2000s. They want to repeat their attempt to crush us, to crush us again, to drive us beyond Lozai, to turn us into a weak, dependent country, to break our territorial integrity, to dismember Russia in the best way for them. It didn't work then, and it will not work now. Yes, of course, they will try to bet on the so-called fifth column, on the national traders, on those who make money here in our country, and live there and live not even in the geographical sense of the word. But according to their thoughts, their slave consciousness. I don't condemn those who have a villa in Miami or on the French Riviera, who can't do without fagua, oysters of so-called gender freedoms. That is absolutely not the problem. But I repeat, the problem is that many of these people are mentally there, not here. Not with our people, not with Russia. This is in their opinion, in their opinion, a sign of belonging to a higher caste, to a higher race. Such people are ready to sell their mother just to be allowed to sit in the hallway of this highest caste. They want to be like her, imitating her in every possible way, but they forget or do not understand at all that this so-called higher caste even needs them, but as expendable material to use them to cause maximum damage to our people. The collective West is trying to split our society by speculating on combat losses, on the socioeconomic consequences of sanctions, to provoke civil confrontation in Russia and using its fifth column is striving to achieve its goal. And the goal is the same. I have already said about it, the destruction of Russia. But any nation, and especially the Russian people, can always distinguish the true patriots from the scum and traitors and simply spit them out like a gnat that accidentally flew into their mouths. Spit them out on the panel. I am convinced that this natural and unnecessary, this natural and necessary self-cleansing of society will only strengthen our country, our solidarity, unity, and readiness to meet any challenge. The so-called collective West in its fifth column were used to measuring everything and everyone by themselves. They think that everything can be brought and sold. So they think we will break down and retreat, but they do not know our history and our people well. Yes, many countries in the world have long ago reconciled themselves to living with their backs bowed and subserviently accepting all the decisions of their sovereign, looking at him subserviently in the eye. Many countries live this way, 
unfortunately, in Europe as well. But Russia will never be such a pathetic and humiliated state. And the fight we are waging is a fight for our sovereignty, for the future of our country and our children. We will fight for the right to be and remain Russia. Our example is the courage and steadfastness of our soldiers and officers, the faithful defenders of, of the fatherland. Dear colleagues, it is obvious that the current events draw a line under the global domination of Western countries, both in politics and economy. Moreover, they call into question the economic model that in recent decades has been imposed on developing countries and the whole world in general. Let me stress, the sanctions, obsession of the United States and its supporters is not shared by the country where more than half of the world's population lives. It is these states that represent the fastest growing, most promising part of the global economy. Russia is one of them. Yes, it's not easy for us right now. Russian financial companies, large enterprises, small and medium-sized businesses are facing unprecedented pressure. The banking system was the first to be hit by the sanctions, but Russian banks have managed to cope with this challenge. Working literally around the clock, they continue to make payments and settlements for citizens and ensure the activities of businesses. The second wave of sanctions was designed to provoke panic in the trade sector. According to estimates over the past three weeks, additional demand for goods exceeded 1 trillion rubles. But domestic producers, suppliers, transport, and logistic companies have done everything to avoid a large-scale shortage in retail networks. I would like to express my gratitude to the Russian business community, the labor collectives of companies, banks and organizations that not only provide an effective response to the sanctions challenges, but also lay the foundation for further sustainable development of our economy. And separately, I would like to acknowledge the government, the Bank of Russia, the heads of the constituent entities of the Russian Federation, and regional, regional and municipal teams. In the current challenging environment, you're responsibly addressing the challenges you face. Obviously, they have not succeeded in organizing an economic blitzkrieg against Russia, demoralizing our society and taking us by force. So we are likely to see attempts to increase the pressure on our country. But we will overcome these difficulties too. The Russian economy will definitely adapt to the new realities. We will strengthen our technological and scientific sovereignty. We will direct additional resources towards supporting agriculture, the manufacturing industry, infrastructure, and housing construction, and we will continue to develop foreign trade relations, counting on fast-growing, dynamic international markets. Undoubtedly, the new realities will require deep structural changes in our economy, and I will not hide it. They will not be easy. They will lead to a temporary increase in inflation and unemployment. Our task in this situation is to minimize such risks, not only to strictly, not only to strictly fulfill all social obligations of the state, but also to launch new, more effective mechanisms to support citizens and their incomes. The focus of attention is protection of maternity, childhood, and support of families with children. From April 1st, it has already been decided, as you know, to introduce payments for children aged 8 to 16, inclusive 
who are brought up in families with low incomes. The amount will be half to one subsistence minimum for each child of that age. Now it is an average of 12,300 rubles across the country. This will have a unified system of support from the moment when the expectant mother is still expecting a child and until the child reaches the age of 17. I charge the government to ensure that this system works in such a way that it promptly takes into account changes in the financial situations of families. That is, if parents have experienced job loss or other difficult life circumstances, the family should begin to receive help from the state as quickly as possible. I also ask the government to quickly analyze the effectiveness of support measures for people who have lost their jobs. It is clear that these measures must be expanded, including through the mechanism of the social contract. I understand that people's incomes are seriously affected by rising prices, so we will soon take a decision to increase all social payments, including allowances and pensions. Thank you for joining us on part three. Make sure you get the conclusion in part four. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later.